Duke fans, welcome to episode 490 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We're still the Duke Basketball Report, right? We haven't changed the name officially, have we? <laughs> we, we have not yet. We're, we're still here. Yeah, not quite. We're, we're coming up and making a decision. We love love all the emails we've gotten from all of you with suggestions of a, of a new name for this podcast as we're required to change it. We're not changing because we hate, we love DBR, but uh, those are the rules. So we're, we're going to be following those rules. We'll be discussing that more extensively uh as we as we move forward on this uh, uh this recap of the duke syracuse game uh i am jason evans i'll be hosting this week i'm joined by donald wine sam klein couldn't make it so uh so it's just me and donald flying not solo but duo as opposed to a menage a pod <laughs> well i don't know where you're going with this where jason. am i going with that <laughs> how did that happen <laughs> Woo! Hello. This is what happens when Sam's not here. We got to need Sam hosting. Uh, in any event, we're going to talk about Duke's 77 to 55 victory, a game, by the way, that vaulted the Blue Devils from number 42 to number 35 in Ken Pomeroy's rankings. There's nothing quite like taking on a top 100 opponent and beating them by 20 to really help your efficiency metrics. That's, <laughs> that's always a good sign. Um, this was also, I'm just going to get this out of the way at the top. Duke's 700th ACC regular season win. Look, I don't know who has the record for the most ACC regular season wins. Probably North Carolina, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, my bet is that Duke's 700th puts us in second place, and it's an impressive round number. Anytime you hit those round numbers, they're fun. And I also wanted to note very quickly, Donald, the crowd, 31,063 people at the JMA Wireless Dome. Good God, I can't believe it. Why they the Carrier that? Dome? It's the Carrier Dome. It's always the. It will always forever be the Carrier Dome. The crowd of thirty-one thousand and sixty-three is the largest on-campus crowd for a college basketball game this season in all of college basketball. I don't know if that's a credit to Duke or a credit to Syracuse. Probably a credit to both of them. Syracuse fans are showing up. Duke for getting the fans something they got hyped and excited about, so they could be there. There were Syracuse legends in attendance. Demar Hamlin was there. Uh, Ryan Young's family was there. There, there was a lot of stuff that they could show in the crowds because the action on the court was the Blue Devils in a absolute blowout. Donald, we begin with our headlines. I know I looked through every single one of the ones that were was sent to us by the listeners. Some great stuff. Uh, give me the ones that you liked best, though. Yeah. So, uh, again, so many uh, submissions after the final whistle. Um, really appreciate everybody sending those in. I had a couple of personal favorites of mine. One. Uh, from from our favorite, the K-Man, and he writes, Duke gets infusion of vitamin three to put the squeeze on the orange. And I thought that was perfect. It, it described the, everything that happened last night. And then finally, Kenneth Heaps wrote simply, let freedom ring. And, you know, as someone from D.C., freedom is always present in my in my life. I like that both of those were two of the I, I I had five that I pulled out that I really liked. Both of those made my cut as well. Mm -hmm. The other ones I loved, Paul Downing. Get ready for the D's, Donald. Paul Downing said, Duke's dynamic D and devilish threes dominate the dome in important win. Paul, love it. Lots of D's oh, in a row there. And alliteration. Yeah, <laughs> love it. And I thought it, when we get to talking about the good, I'm going to talk about the defense for a while, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh David. Uh, Koiza, I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. David said, zoned out, orange crushed by Devils 3 and D. Um, I liked David, you know, finding a way to get that, that Syracuse zone I mentioned there. And then the last one, Wilco. Oh, uh, just a, uh, he's a great emailer. He's a great poster of the Duke Basketball Report forums. Wilco said, 
and this is a good one. It's better, I think, if you when you read it than it is when you hear it, but I'll try mm-hmm. to do it any justice. He said, Syracuse performance of La Boheme, and he spelled it <laughs> Beheim, <laughs> La Beheim, falls flat as Duke's arias from three steal the show. Hey, and then he noted, he goes, it's long, but it's something other than juice. He is correct. <laughs> we got a lot of juice, orange juice, orange crush kind of headlines. We got a lot of those. So I give Wilco credit for finding something other than orange juice to uh, to 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 give us a headline, and I loved La Beheim, La Boheme. That was that was very well done, Wilco. Thank you, sir. Jason, I mean, I mean, I get it, right? It's we're recording this. It's like eight thirty in the morning on the East Coast. I'm here in Nashville at seven thirty in the morning. Orange juice sounds pretty good right about now. So I'm glad that we squeezed it last night. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's get to the good. Let's get to the recap. Uh, Donald, I will let you go ahead and start, dude. I'm going to lead you, though. You got to talk about the three-pointers, right? I'm talking about all the shooting, right? Like, look, shooting has been our Achilles heel all season. We've had some games where we've shown some promise, but we haven't quite fully pulled together. And even in this game, we started out kind of slow, right? We didn't shoot, you know, lights out from the beginning, but we warmed up into it. And as we got uh, used to Syracuse's patented, you know, matchup zone, we found the spots and we were hitting them. We shot 54.5% from the floor, 50% from three. We didn't even get to the free throw line that much, but we we went to the line four times. We made all four of our free throws. Look, we have had games where we have shot 30% from the floor. We've shot 10% from three. So the fact that we were shooting over 50% in all of these categories leads me to believe that, you know, we hopefully we turn a corner, right? We, we're, we're talking about a, fi- a Saturday, Monday kind of turnaround. So we need to sustain that. But, you know, looking at this from, from a one game perspective, it's great to have a great shooting night against Syracuse because Syracuse literally tells you, Hey, if you're going to win, you're going to need to shoot the ball. You're not going to be able to drive to the rim and make a lot of baskets. But we were even doing that, Jason. There was a lot of times where we got out of a couple of scoring draws that we did have by going to the basket or, kicking out and finding someone for an open three-pointer. And and a lot of them came at really clutch times, back-breaking moments. Anytime Syracuse in the second half tried to kind of mount a mini comeback, it was a three-pointer that just stopped them cold and sent people scurrying for the exits early. Yeah, uh, and, and I'll I'll shout out a couple of guys. Look, you have to talk about Dariq Whitehead. Mm-hmm. He's now 13 for his last 19 three-pointers. Uh, that's 68.4%. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that's not sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. You could be Steph Curry. Uh, 68% on threes is not sustainable, but boy, it sure is enjoyable. I also wanted to mention Jacob Grandison only hit one three-pointer, but it was a really big three. The game was tied at 19. It was late in the shot clock, and Grandison knocked down a three-pointer, and and it launched Duke on what would be a 24-4. to four. You could... It was a 21 to two or a 24 to four run either way. Regardless, it was the run that basically turned this into a relaxing evening. I enjoy relaxing evenings while watching Duke basketball. And we had four different guys, four different guys hit multiple threes. Uh, That's, that's a good way of saying that this was a really, really impressive night for the blue devils from long distance. Hey, I want to move to a different area. I want to move to the turnovers and Look, we could probably there's a piece of this that we could talk about in the good and a piece that we could talk about in the bad. We had 10 turnovers in the first half, but we had only four in the second half. Um, and a couple of those came late in the game, like during mop up time. Uh, Duke really for a team that has struggled so much at holding on to the ball and look and frankly struggled throughout like the first 10 minutes or so, first 12 minutes or so of this game. 
they suddenly cleaned it up really, really nicely. There was one point, by the way, in the second half, they showed on the screen that Duke had zero second half turnovers. And literally, it was like uh, it was like at the eight-minute mark or something like that. So like for the first 12 minutes of the second half, we had zero turnovers. And literally within 10 seconds of them putting the graphic on the screen, we committed a turnover. I was like, that is the craziest stat jinx. That literally happened with the, the stat jinx is real. I mean, I think there was something earlier this season where one of our players was like, oh, he hasn't missed a free throw all year. And there's just like, bam, bam, missed two in a row. And you're like, right. thanks. Thanks, stat jinx. Yeah, exactly. But but hand in hand with those turnovers is is the rest of the ball handling. Uh, we, we assisted on 22 out of 30 baskets. That's a 73% assist rate. That's a big number. 73% is a big number for an assist rate. And I want to be clear, part of this is Duke. Part of this is the Blue Devils having a, a good game, arguably, I think, their best game of the season. Part of it is also Syracuse. That's, we, I, I said in the preview that Syracuse zone, just the nature of the way you beat the zone, the nature of the way you score against it, it tends to be off of passing. I, I'm just glad that Duke took advantage of that and that we did a really nice job of moving the ball around and after a shaky first 12 minutes or so, we did a really nice job of hanging onto the ball. Yeah, I, I think, you know, going back to Whitehead for a second, you know, Whitehead, we have j kind of painted as a guy that, you know, we, we like that he's shooting threes. It's cool, but we want him driving to the lane. We want him to do the things that, you know, made him one of the number one, number two players in the country. And he keeps shooting threes and he keeps making them. And I'm here to tell you, Keep shooting the threes, man. Keep making them. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's you, allowed. You're just, You're yeah, allowed. I don't care if you want to do that. That's fine. Uh, and while we may love to see him drive the lane and kind of do the athletic things that he's brilliant at, you know, he's really good at shooting threes. And, and right now, that's a, that's something that we've needed over the last couple of games. He's been one of the few guys to provide that consistently over the last five games. So if he's going to continue to shoot the ball and make it, especially those open threes, yeah, go ahead and do that because – the, the Syracuse offense allowed for a lot of open looks. And I think the great thing, Jason, is that we did make them. We've had games where we've had a lot of open shots and we missed them. Um, and that leads to uh, these unpleasant games that we like to, that, that we've ended up watching. But the reason why this is relaxing in the second half is because like you mentioned, we took care of the basketball, we made all our shots and anytime Syracuse came down, it felt like it was one, they'd miss it. And then we're going the other way. So it, it made for, you know, you're sitting there and, everyone who was texting me last night about the game was like, this is nice. And it felt good for Duke fans for once this year to have a game where we all could collectively just sigh and just relax and kick our feet up and watch our team play very, very well. Yeah. You mentioned the fact that, you know, Syracuse was one and done on, on the uh, offensive end. Uh, the Duke rebounding I thought was, was outstanding. We out rebounded them 38 to 25. I mean, that's, that's, that's just a, big domination of the boards and that included getting 10 offensive rebounds on Duke's 25 missed shots for a 40% offensive rebounding rate. Uh, again, in the preview, uh, I, I mentioned that Syracuse is a terrible defensive rebounding team that the zone doesn't do a good job of, you know, putting butts on, on bodies to, to block guys out. And Duke repeatedly got offensive rebounds. Derek Lively, I thought, was outstanding at, at grabbing offensive rebounds and then relocating it to shooters on the perimeter. He did that uh, again and again. And Lively ends up this game with three assists. And, and uh, you know, talking about these rebounds allows me to sort of transition to talking about Derek Lively. I, I thought his defense in this game was truly outstanding. Uh, his hedge and... Uh, look, I'm going to talk about the blocks in a second, but I want to talk about... 
his hedge and recover on screens uh, was, uh, you know, especially on Joe Girard and Judah Mintz was absolutely fabulous. His ability to, to step out, make sure that, his, you know, because a guy like Joe Girard, if you don't hedge properly, he's going to end up coming off a screen and taking a three. That's that is that guy's game. And Syracuse does it really, really well. And Joe Girard is a super experienced player at that. I thought Lively was brilliant, brilliant about uh, his ability to hedge and then recover back on to Jesse Edwards. We can't talk enough. I want to be clear. Jesse Edwards is one of the best big men in the ACC. He's in the running for, you know, one of the all ACC teams. He is a huge part of their offense. He's a huge part of their rebounding. He is a huge shot blocker. Derek Lively dominated him. Lively had more points. He had more rebounds. Lively had eight rebounds. He had more rebounds than Jesse Edwards. He had more blocks than Jesse Edwards. Um, they, by the way, they, they said Lively had three block shots. I counted five, at least five. I, I don't know how the official score had three. I'm not sure what game he was watching, but Derek Lively had more than three block shots. But regardless, more than Jesse Edwards. He had more assists than Jesse. He had three assists, more assists than Jesse Edwards. Derek Lively, I thought, was outstanding, and it was part of Duke playing a really impressive defensive effort. This Syracuse team averages close to 75 points per game. We held them 20 points under their season scoring average, which is something we do to everybody. Like this is the 23rd time out of 27 games where we've held a team below their season scoring. That average. has been the most consistent stat that we've had all year is that no matter what, whether we're winning or losing, we're keeping teams down underneath their scoring average. Yeah, exactly. And and, and I just thought that Derek Lively, all the bigs, but I thought Derek Lively especially was was special on defense in this game. Yeah, look, the rebounding was particularly incredible because they exploited something that I think a lot of people don't realize about the zone defense, right? And it happens when we play zone, which is why we really don't play it that often, is because when you're playing man-to-man, you're guarding someone, JC, you're right in their face. So when a shot goes up, all you got to do is kind of turn around and you know where your man is, and you can box them out pretty easily. In a zone, you have to find someone. And so the technique is you find somebody run to them, then do what I just told you is turn around and, and and kind of block them out, then look for the basketball. It does not work when your bigs are athletic. Derek Lively was way too athletic last night. Kyle Filipowski was way too athletic last night. You know, guys like Derek Whitehead and Mark Mitchell, they're going to fly in all the time. Even Ryan Young is crafty enough to know where his spacing is and know where his, uh, where his closest opponent is and figure out where the ball is going and get to that spot first. And so Syracuse had a terrible time trying to find our guys to block them out on you know defensive possessions because we were just so athletic at going to the rim and getting the ball even if it missed that's why we had 10 offensive rebounds to their 15 defensive rebounds so we almost i mean jason we were at 40 percent on the year we basically shot our average because we're so athletic we can get to the ball and get to a spot before they even have a chance to turn around and find us and i think that's a really big deal because those points, you know, led to a lot of possessions where Syracuse just felt tired. And even if they got out of it without us making any points, they went down to the other end and they looked lethargic as a result. They were just tired from that 40-second possession that they just had to undergo on defense. And we were able to take advantage of that over time as well. Like I said, we didn't start shooting the ball well. But over time, we were able to wear them down. And then once we started hitting our threes, that's just the, you know, that was it. Syracuse wasn't coming back from that. Yo, I want to shout out one guy in particular, Mark Mitchell. Maybe his best game of the season. Certainly the first half was his best half of the season. 
really active on defense. His hands were moving. His legs were moving. I, I thought he had, a, you know, he had a ton of deflections, you know, got balls that he got his hands on that sometimes they end up as steals. Sometimes you just end up as, you know, sort of distracting the play. But I thought Mark Mitchell was great on defense in this game. He made really good decisions when he got the ball inside the zone. Like I, I didn't expect Duke to try to find Mark Mitchell at the free throw line in the middle of that zone. That that was not something that that you know I thought was going to be part of the Duke game plan. I, I sort of mentioned that I thought uh, you know Kyle Filipowski was the guy who got it there the most, and I thought he was absolutely excellent at that. I know you want to talk about that. Um, I thought that Ryan Young and Jacob Granderson were also guys that we try and get into the middle of that zone a little bit. But to see the but especially in the first half, we were working the ball to Mark Mitchell there a lot. Now I don't know if part of that was you know trying to maybe distract or surprise Syracuse. I'm sure Syracuse didn't think that that was going to be Duke's game plan. But but I also thought Mitchell made really good decisions that he was in there, and and it showed me that um, that, that some confidence that Duke had in Mark Mitchell's decision making. Uh, he ends the game with five assists. Mark Mitchell, five assists from Mark Mitchell? Are you kidding me? He also had eight points. He had two steals, and and like I said, just the, that great great defense. Uh, I, you know, I've I've been bagging on this kid a lot lately, questioning whether or not he should be a starter, and uh, Mark Mitchell. You know, sort of for the second game in a row, said, "Hey, Jason, uh-uh, don't don't you put me on the bench yet? I don't belong there yet." And and he's right. I love the, it. The ultimate stat jinx is Jason Evans. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is um, true. but no, I, you, you mentioned Flip and and Jason. I think well, fourteen and twelve. First of all, Jeremy Roach, seventeen points. We really haven't talked about him. He shot sixty percent from the floor. I think he had three threes, but. I think we saw a piece of this game plan on Tuesday. I mentioned on Tuesday we had a lot of times where we had guys that would get to the free throw line and then that 15-foot area, they were just popping shots from there. And I mentioned that against the matchup zone, that is a huge hole that is always exploited. The question is a lot of people don't take that mid-range jumper and make it all the time. That's what we were doing. If we weren't hitting threes, we were getting to that free throw line where we had a position to either shoot go to the hole or pass it to someone in the corner for a three. And it felt like, you know, in the second half, especially Jason, you mentioned the turnovers in the first half. I thought that they made the right decision every single time. And it led to the fact where I, it felt like every single time down the floor, we got points out of it. it. We didn't necessarily make every shot, but we got points almost every single time down the floor. And when you're doing that against the team, that, that team's never going to come back. That is just ultimate game planning and execution we, I know we were better than Syracuse last night. I know we were better than Syracuse on paper, but we've had a lot of teams that we were better than we didn't execute against. In this game, our game plan was executed, I thought, very, very successfully, very well by everybody involved. And it was led by Flip going to the boards. It was led by Derek Lively in his defense, Mark Mitchell, you mentioned, and Jeremy Roche for, I thought he might have been the most skittish of the guys on the floor last night on offense. He was. It seemed like he was making everything that he shot, which you expect from your floor captain. All right. So as we wrap up the good, just a couple other super quick notes I wanted to to mention. Uh, the first one is this Duke team is now eleven and one in games where we have our full complement, our full roster, where everyone is healthy for the entire game. Duke is eleven and one in those games. So maybe the folks who are writing the Duke obit uh, may have jumped the gun a little bit on that because this is a team that has shown it is really capable of putting together some really impressive performances. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was with his, with every family member, I think that he has in attendance, I thought Ryan Young, you know, he didn't have the big statistical game, but 
but I loved his effort at all times. And like, you know, every moment Ryan Young was on the floor, I felt like I saw him playing hard. Donald, you love to talk about effort and intensity. There was a moment late in the game. It was a 20, 20 plus point game. It was clear Duke was going to win the contest. And there was like a rebound that Ryan Young got a hand on and sort of knocked it away from a Syracuse guy a little bit. And dude dove on the floor. Like, I mean, like he was fighting for his last meal scrap of, you know, morsel of the ball was on the ground there and he had to have it. And I just, he ain't tiny. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Yeah. I love his effort. I love his smarts. And I just wanted to shout that out, you know, in a game where he's not going to get much other attention, except for the fact Donald, he had a legit block shot, like a yes. hack job. Ryan Young, that was one of his highlights of the year. So I just wanted to shout him out because I really thought um, dude deserved it. And and he had a, a ton of family in attendance who seemed to be enjoying his performance. Energy breeds a lot of what he does, Jason, right? You're getting offensive rebounds, those defensive efforts. And, and even, like you said, hustling down the floor. He's He doesn't think he's going to – he's not the, the, the fastest guy on the floor, but he's going to beat people down the floor. We've seen that even in games where the rest of the team looked like they didn't get off the bus. But I, I just enjoy the fact that even if he's not going to put up something statistically – we're going to see that effort from him. We're going to, because all of that breeds other people to be successful. And that's what it did last night. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it wasn't all good. There's a little bit of bad we have to talk about. And we have to pick our player of the week. Not an easy choice this week. The answer, though, after this break. All right, we're back from the break. Just me and Donald missing Sam. Sam, where are you? Where is he? Yeah. I know you and Sam are going to be doing a uh, a look ahead, a, a bites on Duke coming up against Louisville. Uh, a stretch, first game in a stretch of three home games that are really, really big for Duke to, to first of all, lock up an NCAA bid, uh, lock up, you know, at least a single buy. I don't, I still, I think the double buy is just out of reach for us in the ACC, especially because the team that looks like it's coming back, the team that could maybe be caught is Clemson. And we don't have the tie. Clemson has the tiebreaker on us because that's silly, stupid game that I attended. Well, I mean, looking ahead, Louisville just beat Clemson last night. So we'll, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it in the bites, but like, that's one of those things where I thought that preview was going to be easy and Louisville made it hard for us, but uh, let's focus on what we need to improve from this game to carry on to Monday. Amen. Amen. And that, so let's, let's take it over to the bad. Because there are things that Duke needs to improve upon. I'll let you get started. Give me, give me what you got bad first. Look, it's turnovers, right? Like, it, it's yeah. been it's been a big thing all year. And like you said, we had ten in the first half, and it kept Syracuse in the game and even ahead for the first you know eight to twelve minutes of this ball game. And like you said, we, we, when the shooting happened, we took them out of it. But the turnovers kept them in it, and it gave them again extra opportunities for for them to stay in it and give them, you know, give that you know huge crowd uh, a reason to believe that they were going to win the ball game. And in times we've had that coupled with bad shooting, and that leads to us having some, you know, some of these terrible losses that we've had. But I think the turnovers are a thing. It's it's hard to say once again, yo guys, we need to clean it up. But, yo, guys, we need to clean it up because as we're approaching, every single one of these games matters down the stretch, no matter who we're playing. And 
we cannot keep people in ball games by giving them the ball every, you know, three possessions, which is what it felt like we were doing in the first half. Now we need to start taking care of the ball more than ever. We need to take that second half and really lock that in and say, Hey, if we take care of the basketball, look what we can do. Look how many points we can score. Look how easily we can take a team out of their game and, and make them the desperate team as opposed to us kind of scrambling at the end of games. Well, and especially because Syracuse is not a team that ordinarily gets a lot of turnovers. Right. And and so many of those first half turnovers were live ball turnovers, just silly stuff that allowed Judah Mintz to put on a dunk show. That dude must have had at least three runouts where we, you know, essentially handed him the ball and suddenly he's going, you know, he's putting on his own, uh, you know, NBA slam dunk contest all by himself. It was ridiculous. And it and it led to. This is, I mean, in a game that Duke wins by 20 points, Syracuse outscored us 15 to six on points off turnover. That's, you know, that's, that's bad. Now it's worth noting all 15 of those points came in the first half, Syracuse zero points off turnover in the second half. So like you said, we cleaned it up, but yeah, the turnovers were, were nasty. The the big thing I wanted to mention in the bad Donald, the bench is shortening since he got whacked in the nose. Jalen Blake's barely plays for this team anymore. He and Jaden Shute only came in for mop-up, you know, final two and a half minutes of mop-up minutes. By the way, Jaden Shute buried a three. I, I I guess I was a little bit, I think because Duke was hitting their threes, we didn't need to use them. I was a little surprised that maybe John Shire would try and give Jaden Shute some minutes earlier in this contest because his ability to knock it down could have been very valuable against the Syracuse zone. But, you know, like I said, the bench is definitely in the shortening process. Um, uh, Jacob Grandison, I thought, wasn't nearly as impactful as I expected him to be in this game. He he hit, you know, I mentioned the one big heat three-pointer he hit, but just one of five from the field. He played just 10 minutes. He had a pair of turnovers. Wasn't a wasn't a good game from Grandison. Um and and as I mentioned earlier, even though he played really hard, Ryan Young only played 10 minutes. Now it's worth noting that that wasn't because of his poor play. It was because Derek Lively was just outrageous on defense and taking lively out at all just seemed like a a mistake (laughs) like don't take lively out at all in this game uh but you know duke has a short turnaround and the reason i was paying attention to the bench minutes in this game is because we're doing a saturday monday even if it's at home even if it's louisville you got to worry about you know our guys can be exhausted and uh, jeremy roach plays like 34 minutes kyle filipowski was over 30 minutes tyrese proctor was close to 30 minutes so was uh derek lively you know, I, I absolutely think these guys will recover and they'll be fine against Louisville, but it was just something I was looking at and I was kind of hope, you know, as this it was a 20 point game throughout most of the second half. I was like, eh, we're going to get a little more bench run here and it didn't really work out. And I, I feel like the bench is shortening. There's two trains of thought when you're talking about a, a blowout late, right? You either, especially with a, with a short turnaround, the two trains of thought are, Hey, we just, you know, let our foot off the gas, take everybody out, give everybody some playing time and kind of spread the minutes out. Or it's, hey, you know, I'm just going to ride these guys. And then in the second game, these guys that didn't get a lot of playing time are going to get more playing time to counteract. And basically over the course of two games, it kind of averages out. I think the fact that we have been so terrible in late game situations and letting teams catch up was the reason for last night, our bench being short until That's the That's a great end. point. Uh, we, you know, if you think about it, we've had too many games where we've won, but we were up 15, 16 points, and then they came back. Uh, and at the end of the games, because we let our foot off the gas, I think last night, John Shire was like, uh-uh, no, we're just going to 
keep these guys in, like let this ride this ride this twenty point win all the way to the end, and then we can bring in guys. But he did. I mean, he emptied the bench, right? Like we we saw Max yeah. Johns last night. You know, we we don't see him that much. <laughs> um, so people got into the game that normally didn't. But I think the 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 I guess the PTSD, so to speak, of you know prior games letting her letting our teams get back into the game very late and having to have to practice these late game situations. He didn't want any part of that, especially with Louisville coming on Monday. He wants them. He wanted to make this as easy as possible. And to do that, he wrote his starters to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the only other thing I had in the bad was uh, the free throw line. You mentioned this earlier. We only shot Duke only shot four free throws. Yeah. We made them all, but four free throws is a pretty low number. Now it's worth noting free throws are something that are almost entirely dependent on the other team. If they don't foul you, if they don't right. want to stop you, then, uh, you know, oh, well. Uh, so uh, I think, you know, that was a little bit of what played into this. Uh, but it, but it is worth noting that we gave up 14 free throws to Syracuse. Not a huge number, but somewhat troubling for a, a Syracuse team that doesn't. They aren't a team that gets to the free throw line a ton. And I did want to mention Joe Girard got fouled shooting threes twice. I, I really don't like that. Don't foul a three-point shooter. Tyrese Proctor, please don't foul the three-point shooter. <laughs> there's there's no it, it's one of those uh, I wouldn't say it's completely inexcusable, but it's close. Like it's it's the most difficult shot that you're shoot that the person's shooting. There's no reason to, you know, really get out in front of it and and help them by going to the line, especially we've seen this in a couple games this year. The guy makes it and all of a sudden a, a terrible three becomes a four point play because yeah. you kind of almost fouled the ball into the net. So yeah, let's not, let's not do that anymore. I don't like those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no. So that's, that's it for our bad. Not much. <laughs> There's just not much there. It's great. Like 20 point beat down on the road. Hey, you know, so let's move on to player of the week. I'm interested. Donald, wait, wait, Jason. Uh, oh, favorite play. I favorite forgot. Play. Wait, yeah. Favorite play first. Yes. Tons of nominees, by the way, for favorite play Um, in, in my book. I, I got, I had like three or four different possibilities so go ahead, Don. I'll see if you take one of mine. Yeah. So actually, you know, the same one that I had was one that uh, a, a, a listener wrote in on, Kenneth Hazen. Derek Lively, he blocks with shot to Tyrese Proctor and basically blocks it so hard that Tyrese Proctor goes down and shoots a three. And Kenneth's like, shouldn't that be an assist for Derek Lively? Because it was that, you know, ridiculous of a block that it literally led the break uh, for Tyrese Proctor to hit that three. And I think it was one of those plays that Duke uh, men's basketball on their Twitter account likes to, you know, zero in on and they kind of slowed it down and you could kind of see uh Tyrese Proctor look behind him see that everyone's behind him and just kind of take the three and as he did it he starts to celebrate because he knows it's like in rhythm um that was a real that was like the favorite play because again it was a combination of everything we did great off defense blocking leading to an offensive three-pointer and, and it goes in and gives us that confidence going again yeah, that was my that was my favorite play as well. And I love the way Kenneth pointed out that Lively should have gotten an assist on that block. <laughs> Are you allowed to get a block and an assist at the same yeah, time? I don't I don't I don't I don't know. We we should probably write in about that. Yeah, I don't know that the rules work that way, but it, it sure felt like it. And and by the way, that it, it it was at a huge moment in the game. Duke was leading by five points. It was, you know, sort of midway, two thirds of the way through this through the first half. Um, and, and that was a, a three that stretched it out to eight. And and sort of that was the moment to me that I was like, okay, this Duke team's about to to really stretch this out and really make, you know, make it a difficult night for Syracuse. I also wanted to shout out two other plays. I already mentioned the Ryan Young clean block that I thought, yeah, it was just Ryan Young's not the most athletic player down there. And and for him to get a, a block like that was just awesome. And then the last one was Mark Mitchell. 
threw a lob in the lane to Derek Lively in the first half that Lively yammed. That was like, it was, I heard the announcers go, whoa. <laughs> like They almost had to stop the game. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, everyone in the stadium was like, did that just happen? Wow. I mean, Derek Lively, I, I think he only scored six points in this game. I, I need to look at the box score again. All, all six of them, all three baskets were like, make made you look ugly because you were like, oh my God, Derek Lively. I think, Derek Lively, I think Derek Lively, I think Derek Lively is like, I think he probably has, let's say 15 or 16 points over the last week and a half. And all of them have been vicious dunks. Like, <laughs> exactly. <all of> them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Derek Lively's ratio of highlights to points scored is outrageous. Basically, it's like 98%. Every time, every time he scores, it's a highlight. Uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. That's for sure. All right, so time to, like I teased earlier, so to speak, <laughs> time to get to our player of the week. And you know what, Donald? I'm going to take host privilege. I'm going to go first. I think it's a little bit of a surprise. I think there are a lot of different possibilities you could have this week. I mean, Dariq Whitehead hit seven of ten three-pointers on the week. But the guy I went with is Mark Mitchell. And I, it may seem kind of surprising, but I, as I said earlier, I was bagging on the guy. I mentioned he hadn't hit a single three-point, or he hit one three-pointer this calendar year. He hit two against Notre Dame, including that incredibly important one in the final minute, final seconds to seal the victory, and then had that phenomenal first half against Syracuse. You know, I can, like I said, I considered Whitehead. I considered Derek Lively, who had a great week in the post. Kyle Filipowski this week had 36 points and 18 rebounds. I looked at all these things and I went, Nope, I'm giving it to Mark Mitchell. What do you think, Donald? I love that pick. Um, considering the fact of the week that he had right against Notre Dame, he has the the game clinching three pointer and just like you know all of that, all of these things that he's been working on, we're starting to kind of see some of that in practice on the on the basketball floor. Um, I'm going to give it, however, to Kyle Filipowski. I think the reason why is he had the worst week of his career last week, like in the in the week before. And he's responded by having an incredible that. week, a double double, uh, almost uh, in against Notre Dame. He has a double double against Syracuse. So, uh, I mean, every single time that we've seen this kid literally punched in the throat, uh, he has responded in kind, and I and he was responded with a good week. So uh, that's what I'm giving it to. But I, I think you mentioned him. Uh, you mentioned Mark Mitchell, uh, Derek Lively. I think Jeremy Roach even had a great week. Uh, you know, Jacob Grandison had a great week. There's a lot of guys who, for for their reasons, uh, should be player of the week. Uh, so I wanted to quickly shout them all out, but I'm giving mine to Kyle Filipowski. By the way, uh, you know who else had a great week? Uh, John Shire and the coaching staff. John Shire and the coaching staff. Hats off to him. Yeah, I, I thought we seemed incredibly prepared against Syracuse. I thought, you know, they, they handled a a difficult situation against Notre Dame with Coach K returning and Mike Bray in his final appearance at Notre Dame, um, you know, coming to Duke. It, it's it, There's a lot that John Shire needs to work on. Uh, he, he is not a fully formed, um, outstanding head coach yet, but you're just seeing, you know, the, uh, sort of the onion peeling back the di- various layers and the such. You know what else has layers? Parfait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was doing the onion thing and I was like, I was like, I can't help. I'm hearing Eddie Murphy as the donkey man. Parfait. Anyway, sorry. No, back back on topic. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Oh. Uh, in any event, I John Shire's peeling back different levels 
of his coaching ability. And, and I, I I'm, I'm seeing more and more to like, as the season moves along, there are a lot of people out there who think that this Duke team has really turned a corner. I'm not sure they ever, you know, were, were struggling to get around that corner in the first place. I guess they probably were, but it, it, it feels like the arrows pointed up on the blue devils right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, like we've said all year, everyone on this team, on this particular team and, and look, going all the way back to the 42 years of Coach K. Coach K would say, I'm not worried about what we've done in the past. I'm just worried about this team, right, and what they're doing. We are 1-0 with this team. We're, you know, 1-0 this week with this team. John Shire and this team are all freshmen, right? Like, if you think about it, everyone on the team is a freshman. The only people who aren't are Jalen Blakes and Jeremy Roach. They're the only two guys who are returning in the roles that they – but even them – they have different roles this year than they did last year. So in that regard, they are also freshmen. So everyone in this team is learning together and no one really has it. And look, everyone, everyone in their first year of doing something was terrible at it. They may have been, they may have thought they were sweet, but when you look back over the years, you go, yo, my first year was the worst year that I ever had. And John Shire and this coaching staff is learning on the job every single day and I thought they had a really great week of preparation for a Notre Dame team that was again one of the bottom teams in the ACC and in but still had the the caliber of players to beat Joe, you. Joe, by the way, they almost beat Virginia. And they almost beat Virginia, right? Like so th- yeah. this team isn't Notre, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's week was we almost beat Duke and we almost beat Virginia. That's yeah. That's a- they probably yeah. lost twice and went up in Kempom by like 20 points. Like that sort exactly. of thing. <laughs> and then they follow up with Syracuse is one of the most difficult teams to prepare for because that matchup zone is everyone knows it's coming and you still can't really stop it all the time. So that is a really you know difficult week to plan for. And I thought they did it very, very well. So hats off to this coaching staff and, and may they continue to grow over the season as our players do. Yo, by the way, you're you're exactly right. Notre Dame went from 184 to 170. See what I'm saying? In Ken Palm. <laughs> and they lost losing. twice. <laughs> they lost at Duke and they lost at Virginia and they went up 14 points in Ken Palm. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap it up for us here on episode 490 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Donald Wine, thank you for joining me. I am Jason Evans. We miss you, Sam. Have fun skiing in Vermont. That's where Sam is right now. Uh, I I think Sam had a better morning than we did. What do you think, man? <laughs> hey, I, I got hot chicken, so I'm 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 feeling oh, you're okay. Doing well, you yeah. know well. I love it. All right, as we mentioned, check your feed because Donald and Sam. I can't be with them, but Donald and Sam are going to be bringing you some uh, DBR bites, previewing this game against Louisville as the Blue Devils begin a key three-game homestand as we uh, get ready to wrap up the ACC schedule and, and move on to the postseason. Uh, for Donald, for Sam, I'm Jason, and this is the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. I just watched Jericho Sims do a fairly routine dunk and then pull out that little piece of paper that had 50 written on it. Oh, no, no. That, like, again, I have thoughts on all these things because I watched it from the bar last night. Um, That's bad, man. First off, all of them. (laughs) Like everyone was hyping up Mac McClung and I'm like, yo, I'm here at the bar. It's the, we're watching on an iPad, no sound. And I'm predicting every dunk every single time. Cause I'm like, I've seen all these before. The only one yeah. that I, was the, that I was like, okay, that's good. Was the last one. And I was like, guys, I already know they're calling out a 540. Uh, the very last dunk of the, uh, of it the was dunk. a 540. You know, that was a 540.
Right. But if you notice, and that's he, that's crazy. If you notice, he does a trick. Zion has done that exact same thing before, where you start your 360 before you jump. Right. So when you jump, you only have to do 360. And then it turns into a 540. His because Zion's um the Zion windmill, the 360 dunk against Clemson, that was actually a 540 from where he turned. We just call it a 360 because we're smart. <laughs> and we knew if we called it a 540, people would be like, oh no, absolutely not. Yo, also, uh, when you see someone do a 720, it like 540s don't mean much anymore. <laughs> I, McClung was awesome, man. <laughs> call it's me. Still, hater. It looked- it still Call looked like hater. a 540. I, was, I thought that looked pretty damn good, man. I thought that was the, that was the best dunk of the night, but it was uh I was like, yeah, it's, he's already won because at that point he was doing dunks that I'm like, yo, we see these all the time. 